Pray for my wife if she goes back there with a bunch of glucose. Them kids are going to be amped. Hopefully you guys are, though, by the cupcake. So how many were we at John chapter 3? We there? Awesome. We awake today? You guys seem kind of, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully I don't put you to sleep, so I don't think I will. I'm excited to, I'm always excited to preach, but I'm excited to preach this message as I once again gave my wife a mini sermon at 6.30 this morning. So God bless her for that. But I wanted to kind of rewind as well in regards to last week and preaching out of Joshua. I told my wife, you know, we leave here. And I told her, I said, it was very difficult for me to preach in that fashion. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, you, you, once again, you pick a topic, right? And then you take God's word and you kind of use it to build up and to expound and defend that topic. And, you know, speaking about God, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord, Right. But there is so much in the passages that I read through when I think of it from like an expository standpoint, like taking the scripture and breaking it down and all that stuff. And my wife, I love her to death. She wasn't critiquing me, but she's like, you know, in that part of Joshua, you could have spoke on. And then this part right here, you could have said that. And I'm like, I know, but it was 100 degrees in the church. And I think people wanted to get home after, you know, so because I could have kept you guys here for three hours, but hopefully you guys took away from the message and my wife said, you know, she felt like it was very fruitful. I did as well. I mean, it, it you always leave making sure or hoping that it, it, it stuck in people's brains and their hearts and that you guys walked away with something that edified you and, and from the response of people, people said that it did. So I praise God for that. But um, difficult message for me to preach though in a different format. But today, um, kind of a, a mixture of both as I am going to be breaking down some scripture through John 3, but I'm going to be preaching on maybe what you guys have heard um, plenty times as a Christian, um, the new birth, right? How many of you have heard people say, or you maybe have claimed that you are a born again Christian? Amen. All in here can attest to that as Christians that yes, we are born again. And in this situation, this story, and this this um, encounter here with Jesus and Nicodemus, this is where that derives from. Okay, um, but giving just a, a little bit of an opening regarding this, my wife and I we we went on a walk last night, and Maverick is in front of us and. I love talking about my kids during sermons. They love it too, but I don't, you know, pick on them or anything like that. But Maverick has this longboard. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with longboards, but they're not skateboards. They're Dawson and Kaylee are not in their head. Like they're all dangerous to me. Like I've never had the ability to ride on a skateboard or a longboard. I've gone around the block with Maverick on longboards before. Maverick's like smooth as silk on them. I am not. My foot is constantly like tapping the ground while I have the other one on the longboard. It looks kind of ridiculous, but it's fun. My hip hurts afterwards and all that, which tells me I'm getting a little bit older. But um, Maverick is just kind of doing his thing. And he was in the backyard before we went longboarding. If you ever watch Maverick on a trampoline, he does pretty well. Maverick's always been little Mav, right? Well, just lately, he's actually passed me in height. I think he's literally like that much taller. I've checked. So... Um, <laughs> But Maverick, his mindset was, was that as a little kid, he always used to say, as long as I get as tall as Josh, that's all he cared about. I was the standard height. He didn't want to be 6'5". He didn't want to, sorry, he didn't want to be any of that. He just wanted to be 5'10", 5'11", 5'11 and a half, 
all that stuff. So he, he got to that point and he's happy. He's good. But Maverick has found out that by being taller and being a little bit bigger, that it's harder to do things maybe that he once did when he was small. So he used to do these backflips on the trampoline and all these amazing things. And yesterday we're out in the backyard and he's on the trampoline jumping and Des and Dax are out there with me. And he's like, I'm going to try to do this. I haven't done this in a while and all that. And he's just biffing on all these attempts, like not doing good at all. And I'm like, dude, you're taller now. You weigh a little bit more. Your body doesn't move the way that it used to. But on this longboard, he's kind of doing his thing once again, just smooth, like just going around and all this cars are kind of going by and he's like avoiding them. And Jelaine and I are walking and Jelaine looks at me and she goes, he's really grown, hasn't he? She's like, he's got these, his legs are thicker, but she's like, he's really still got these small arms. I'm like, don't tell him that he's a boy. It'll bother him. But he has like, we're looking at him and I'm like, boy's grown up. All kids have grown up, right? You guys have been there, right? You see them, your kids, before you know it, you know, you're holding them one day and then they're running around nuts the next and then they're taller than you the next. Wyatt comes out the other day and he looks at me and I couldn't give him instructions on this. He, he looks at me and says these words, how do I grow a beard? <laughs> 19 years old almost, how do I grow a beard? We give him all these little, goo shave more right? Like just shave more. He's like, I don't have anything to shave. We're like, dude, just shave your face. Maybe something will, yeah, maybe something will spark. And I was going to joke and say, put pantyhose on your head because then the hair will push down and come out your face. And kids don't think that's why it laughed at it. My wife's like, you're a moron. So anyways, kids grow up and we see that. And, and you know, in this, this, this story here in John, in John chapter three with Jesus teaching Nicodemus about the new birth, or being reborn, this is how we are called to, in a sense, be and look as we are born again spiritually. That there should be growth in our life as Christians. That when babies are, are physically born of the flesh, they don't just simply stay babies, right? First Peter 2.2. We're, we're called to, as, as Christians, to crave spiritual milk. So we can grow and mature in our faith. But sometimes what we can end up doing, sometimes what we can fall into doing is, is merely just thinking maybe that it's just this pronouncing of our faith. That maybe if we just simply know that we're justified, that, that we're good, and, and that's all that, that matters. And I heard a pastor once say that, that justification, if we just leave it at that, is merely just like paperwork in heaven. It's just showing that, that we're good in regards to our, our standing with God. But there's more to the Christian faith and more to the Christian walk than just saying that we believe in Jesus and believing in our minds that we are. My wife and I, we, we've been pretty outspoken of this from the pulpit, and, and I always like to make sure that I, I like to break this down and explain this as well. You guys are, are familiar with the sinner's prayer. This is something that, is, that has been very prevalent in our culture where we simply stop and think that if we just simply say a prayer that we're saved. And I've been pretty outspoken in saying that I don't believe that. I've done funerals where people have come up to me and they've asked questions. Do you know if the person said the prayer? I would never ever give them an answer to go, well, they did so they're good or they didn't so they're not. 
See, this is a, a form of what we call decisionalism. And basically what that means is, is it's you're the one gauging the sincerity of the decision you made rather than who? God gauging the sincerity. And many people today, when we see and look at the church, especially in the United States, many people will say or proclaim that they are Christian, but live like what? Like the world. And this, is, this is something that we have to look at. This is when we talk about bearing fruit. As a pastor, as a preacher, I can't stand up here and just simply say to you guys, if you guys just simply say a prayer, you're good. Maybe I can preach a certain way. Maybe I can speak in a way that gets you emotional and things like that. And would I dare say that a person that said this prayer isn't saved? I would never say that. But I'm not going to stand up here and say that the person is saved because they said a prayer. There's a regeneration that takes place in the heart first. We read it in Romans, right? We see that where it says you profess with what's already present in the heart with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. But what does this look like? Like we have people that will struggle sometimes with this. Well, how do I know that I'm saved? And I know I hit on this a couple weeks ago and we spoke about bearing fruit and all that stuff. But I want to really break this down in regards to the new birth or the rebirth because it's a doctrine and it's a teaching that you guys need to understand as Christians. We're told in Scripture to test ourselves, to examine ourselves, to see if we are still indeed in the faith. That there's an effect of our profession verbally that should be coming out in the way that we live. As we read in Galatians 5, that there are fruits of the Spirit that we're called to display. And easily, I told my wife this morning, I go, you know, when I preached that message a few weeks ago, I never wanted you guys to leave here and think that, okay, I need to write down these fruits and I need to make sure that I'm checking off what it is that I'm doing to hit on it, to say that I'm a Christian. That would be deeds first. And this is a faith where it's not deeds first. You read about Jesus saying that he is the true vine, right? And we are called as Christians to get our nourishment from that vine. And I love the analogy of, of bearing fruit because a cherry, as I told my wife this morning, doesn't have to do much to show that it's a cherry growing on a cherry tree. What all does it have to do? It just has to be clung to the cherry tree. It just has to be a part of the cherry tree. So the fruit bearing analogy is just simply something for you to see and to look at something for the world to look at is evidence to show what? That you are indeed a Christian. That you're no longer operating in the ways of the old self. And we're going to break that down a little bit as well. But I'm going to go ahead and start here in, in John chapter 3. Jesus teaching Nicodemus. And to give a little bit of a context here, Jesus is already in the Gospel of John. He's already cleansed the temple. Um, we, we even read that he's shown miracles and people are coming to him. But here in chapter 2, verse 23 and starting, it says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all people he did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person so this is chapter 2 starting at verse 23 this was jesus basically saying my wife and i have talked about this that we as people love signs and wonders we do 
There's a draw to us. There's a sense of, okay, maybe there's a validation in what we're, what we're seeing. And the book of John is an example of this. It is an expression of the signs and wonders that Jesus performed, the miracles that he did. It was something that kind of gave his, his proclamation and his word a little bit more meat and substance. But Jesus knew the heart of the people here. It even says he could not entrust himself with them upon doing these things because people love signs and wonders. If I put Bigby Coffee in the, the city's best donuts in the back of the church and everyone started to come in and we started to offer all these amazing things here at Agape Center, worldly things, and you guys are coming in here, I could stop and go, man, these people really love God and they love to come here and listen to the word and they love praise and worship. And then all of a sudden I get word like, no, wait, Dawson just really loves the donuts. Trent loves the coffee. I heard a pastor give this analogy too when he asked the question. I think I told you guys this once before. I said it to Hadessa. He asked his daughter once, he said, if you had a birthday party, and we had this party at Dave and Buster's and you invited all your friends in the fifth grade. How much of the school do you think would come? And the daughter looked at her dad and said, probably the whole school. He goes, now if I said we were just having cake and ice cream in our backyard and you invited friends, how many friends do you think would come? She said, maybe five or six. And he said, this is the heart of man. We are drawn to things that are not of God. We can say that we are, but when we stop, Jesus knows our hearts. He knew the hearts of these people that were surrounding him upon all these miracles. And he could not entrust himself to them because he knew their hearts. So now going into, you guys have a little bit of background, he comes across this individual by the name of Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. If you took a politician and a priest and you wrapped them all up in one, this would be Nicodemus. And we see that Nicodemus is going to visit Jesus at night. So I'm going to read the passage first, and then we'll break it down together. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, so he's acknowledging Jesus as a teacher. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So he's giving attribution to the signs. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one, I want you guys to think of this, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Listen again, church. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be surprised. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. 
but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who comes from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So we are taking this word believes here and we're giving a little bit more of an identity to it. Okay? So Jesus, I love the analogy and the breakdown that he's giving here. So we see first and foremost, it says Nicodemus is visiting Jesus at night. Not going to expound too much on that. I've heard people say different reasons for this. They say, okay, you know, maybe it's because, you know, Jesus was busy doing his thing and Nicodemus couldn't go see him yet. Maybe Nicodemus was busy because he was a religious leader and he couldn't go see him yet. Or maybe because he was a religious leader, he did not want the people to see him interact with Jesus. The thing that I take away from this more than anything that I, I've loved to hit on in the past is obviously Nicodemus was watching what Jesus was doing. And the witness that Jesus was expression, expressing had effect on Nicodemus. You guys, once again, as Christians, your witness matters. You may think that you are evangelizing or ministering to just the person in front of you, but there are people around you that are watching and witnessing that interaction. They're seeing what it is that you are doing. They are listening to what it is that you are saying. And you may think that I'm just ministering to this guy or this lady, but there's other people around you that are paying attention. And God's word is so powerful. You don't need to be aiming at someone in particularly. It's going out and it's going into everyone's mind, everyone's ears that are listening to it. So you have to be mindful of what it is that you say and mindful of how you act because you bear the name of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador of his. When we go on here, Nicodemus is asking the question. He even says, right, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. What does that mean? Water is a signification here of cleansing, right? How many of you took a shower this morning or a bath? or last night, or two days ago, whatever your routine is. I'm willing to bet that many of you at some point had a water mixture in that cleansing. This is a signification of repentance, right? So let's, let's backtrack to the Lord's Prayer. I'm not, and I don't mean to just pick on this, but I want you guys to understand, repentance is a thing that is not preached a lot in churches anymore. And when you read the scriptures and you read about how Jesus ministered, the apostles ministered to people, is there anywhere in the Bible that you see anyone ministering to a person that says, say these words after me and ask Jesus into your heart? Do you see that anywhere in the scriptures? I will tell you what you'll see and what you'll read. Repent. Repent. You have to change your mindset about the sin in your life. You have to strip the old self off, as it says in Ephesians 4.22. You have to strip away from these things. You know, when we read as well that God will give us a heart of flesh, he'll take, he'll take the heart of stone give us a heart of flesh. I was saying to my wife last night as we're laying in bed, I go, you know, it's odd. God is never going to put something dirty or put something clean in a place that's already dirty. Think about that. 
that there has to be this water mindset in regards to our cleansing of ourself. We, we have to make sure that in our, in our repentance, in our mindset, when, when God's power and His Spirit starts to regenerate our heart, that there's this instant transformation in how we start to see things in this world. Salvation is an instant thing, but it's also an occurring thing in our life as well. Not only does Jesus save you, but he's also saving you as you are living through this life. So when we see that, surely people can't enter the kingdom of God unless they're baptized in water and of the Spirit. You guys have to make sure that you live a life of repentance. That you have to cleanse yourself of the old self. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a brand new creation. And once again, as I'm speaking this to you guys, this is Jesus giving the definition of what it means to be a born-again Christian. Not just wordplay. Not just, I'm just saying that I am. And then he goes of the Spirit, right? Well, what, is, what does that mean? We just heard that song, Not By Might. Not by power, but by what? By your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. We have to understand and believe as Christians of the supernatural transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Flat out. What kind of power is that? What power does that hold? I'm going to go to Ephesians 1 here. You guys want to join me? You can. Ephesians 1. What does that power look like? Well, this for me as a pastor kind of takes a little bit of load off my shoulders here. Because even though I'm called to make sure that I rightly preach and teach God's word, I also need to understand and know that there's nothing that I can do to add to God's word without indirectly subtracting from it as well. The Josh doesn't need to dress a certain way, doesn't need to look a certain way, to get God's Word to have any more power behind it than what it already does. God's Word has power because the Holy Spirit is with His Word. Amen? So when we look at Ephesians 1, what kind of power does the Spirit hold when you speak of transforming power? I'm this wretched person, this horrible person. I've done horrible things in my life. You're trying to tell me that the Holy Spirit can transform... Yes, I am. If you believe in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross... If you truly believe in that completed work, the Holy Spirit will transform you and make you a brand new creation. Amen. Flat out. He will. So when we look at it, Ephesians 1, starting off here at verse 15, for this reason, probably one of the longest sentences in the, in the Bible here, as you'll see a lot of commons, commas and stuff, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe." What kind of power is that? Read on. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ 
from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So you're telling me that the same power that brought life to the dead Jesus is the same power that he sends to me to transform my heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. What kind of power do you think that is? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that gives you a brand new heart. That causes you to go from spiritual deadness to being alive spiritually now. And we have to preach and teach this, guys. We do. Because many of us may just sit in here and just think and struggle with the fact, okay, I believe in God. I believe these things. I read an article the other day that said that 83% of Americans believe in God. I said to my wife, I go, how do you think that number would shrink if the question was asked, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life? And she looked at me and said that number would shrink drastically because everyone has their own perception of what or who God is. What's the identifier for the Christian? What's the evidence? It's the fruit that you bear. We hear all these like mundane arguments with people about certain things of doctrine and all. You know what I look for? You say that you're a Christian. I look for the fruit. Flat out. That's why I can get down and talk to people from different denominations. Seriously. You bear fruit of a Christian? If I look at a life that was once was and a life that now is, a person that was once dead and a person that's now alive in Christ, and they show that outwardly in how they live, not because they're doing it because they're trying to look a certain way or be a certain way, they do it because it's who they are now. Do we sit in this church today with the belief and the faith that Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit, makes dead things come alive? Heard a pastor once say that we are all Ezekiels. We are sitting in a valley of dry bones. And it's on us as, as, as Christ bearers to make sure that we speak life out to people as well. Or do we hone it in? Do we keep it within ourselves? Do we rest comfortably with the fact or this mindset that I said a prayer once a, a, a couple years ago and I'm good and I'm fine? Once again, that's that decisionalism. That's that I'm taking my evil heart, engaging the sincerity of that evil heart off of my evil heart instead of allowing God to be the one that decides my sincerity of my profession. How do I know that I'm saved? And, and I want to go on and continue here because Jesus uses the analogy here of the wind. And this is important. This is very important to, to realize and understand. I'll start here once again from verse 5. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So we covered water. We covered that that was repentance, stripping off the old self, this cleansing. Okay, God's not going to put something clean into something that's dirty. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Because he's wanting Nicodemus to know you shouldn't marvel at something that I'm telling you that we actually see every day in our earthly lives. I just gave you guys the example of Maverick and his growth. Right? 
the physical growth of Maverick. Every day I watch my kids grow, I don't look at them and go, man, they got an inch taller today. I see it daily. It's after a while you look at them and go, oh my gosh, where'd the time go, right? This is the same thing that Jesus is painting. Nicodemus, don't marvel at my teaching with this because we see it every day. Take the wind, for instance, Nicodemus. You feel it, right? You hear it, but do you know where it comes from? Or how about this? Do you even see it? You don't. So is the way of the Spirit. What else does the Holy Spirit do? We see the Holy Spirit, we see the wind influence things that it touches. How many of you live by a lake? See the waves. You look out at the trees, you see the leaves. The Holy Spirit has an influence on the life of the believer. So as the wind has the influence of the creation that it touches. So Jesus is using the wind as this analogy. You may not know where it comes from. You may not be able to see it. Okay? You may not even know exactly what it's trying to do. But you believe in his presence. And his presence and the work that it's doing is being shown in its very existence. Amen? So we have to understand that that's what he's, he's wanting to sit here and he's, he's wanting to grasp a hold of. I'm going to go on here on to verse 9. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus is wanting to emphasize here, and I had to grasp this as a pastor. There will be people that I speak this word to as clear as day with all the great analogies that I bless you guys with weekly, and I say that sarcastically, the people will not connect the dots. They won't. There were people that would just, I refuse to believe in this teaching that you give. He's speaking to a religious leader that knows the law inside and out. But Nicodemus's way of applying the law, discerning the law. Jesus is exposing those flaws right now. Like you're Israel's teacher and you don't know these things? You marvel at what I'm saying to you, yet every day you see and witness the wind blowing around you and you question my teaching on the Spirit? This is us as Christians when we speak and preach God's Word to people. I hear people all the time, they use the, the mundane things or the things of the Bible that are like Noah's Ark and the flood, right? I can't believe that. God flooded the earth. If they're not going to believe those objective earthly things that took place that were a reference of God's power, how are they going to believe in anything else that's more of a spiritual matter? They won't. And they don't. But once again, it falls back to this thing. I don't have the ability to change the person's mind. It's not by my might. It's not by my power. But it's by the Spirit of God that that word goes out and that word transforms. And what spirit is that? It's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Like, amen and hallelujah to that. And it's awesome to watch. It really is. It's awesome when you speak these things to people. I told my wife, I go, and we watch and look at this ministry and we see and we hear these little testimonies. And, and it's, you guys, I don't want to say this in a way that, that makes it sound like it's not a big deal. 
but it is, it's a huge deal. When you guys say things to my wife and I about like just these little nuggets is the word I like to use. The, the, the budding, the greenery, the, the little bits of fruit that are showing. Those are awesome testimonies of God's work in your life, of his supernatural work in his life. I know that sometimes we may get caught up and think that there needs to be more, like there needs to be, God will work with you on that one. Like he will convict you and show you like, yes, you need to strip more of this away and you need to do away with this. You need to change your thinking about that. But still give praise in the fact of the things that he is showing you in your life that you do need to cleanse yourself of. We talked about it last week with Achan, right? And his sin and what that sin did to the nation of Israel. It said, purge all the things that are evil. We as Christians will spend a lifetime purging evil from ourselves in a sense of, okay, this is something that in my knowledge and understanding of God, I know that I can no longer participate in. But there's also things too that when you guys become a Christian instantly, I know you guys have sat there and go, okay, man, I used to get down with this stuff here and listen to this and watch that. Now when I do, it's like stones hitting a window. It just doesn't sit right with me anymore. It doesn't fit into my life. Another great analogy for you from this morning, Hadessa's yelling mom from the bedroom. I'm just putting all my kids out there today. She is yelling mom. And I don't know if you saw what Dessa was wearing, but she has like this dress on with two individual legs, okay? And she is screaming. And I look in the bedroom, and my daughter's just hopping in her bedroom, like, and she's angry. I'm like, Dessa, what are you doing? She's like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And I'm thinking, that girl did not grow that much for that to be that. So I go in there, and I'm yanking this dress down. And I go, is this how it's supposed to go on? She's like, yes, Dad. It goes on like a dress. It goes over your head, and you pull it down, and I'm just getting her arms all bent like this and her elbows up and she's like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is nuts. Like I'm trying to make breakfast. So I finally get it down. Dessa gets her arm in there and she can't move her arms. And I go, that doesn't look right. And I look down and the opening that was supposed to go over Dessa is on backwards. So it's down real far. Then all of a sudden I see this extra piece of fabric flapping over here that was the other pant leg. I just shoved a pant leg over my daughter's body. And I go, Dessa, we did this wrong. And she's, she's belly laughing. It was the most ridiculous. So I go, now we got to get it off. So I'm sitting there literally bouncing my kid and I pull this pant leg over. That is your life as a Christian with sin. It won't jive. Old wineskin, new wineskin, right? We even think about that. If our old understanding of something tries to press in with the new understanding that we have as Christians, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be like shoving a pant leg over your body. It ain't going to work. It's going to be conflictual. It's not going to feel right. This is how we are as Christians. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that analogy because that was a good one. But I want you guys to understand that. I want you to wrap your brain around that. He goes on to, to sit here and say, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we testify of what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, the wind, and you not believe. And how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things, water and the Spirit? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Now this is 
Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man in the New Testament about 88 times. We read in Ezekiel, we'll even see Ezekiel being referred to as a Son of Man, but Jesus is the Son of Man, capital S, capital M. This is a phrase being used of deity, of humility, even humanity, but even prophecy. Daniel gives a vision of someone that looked like the Son of Man coming down from the heavens. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus, by saying that he is the Son of Man, is also giving attribution to his witness and testimony of the things that he is saying. He's lightly giving Nicodemus this little, hey, I've come from up here with him to give you this message. So he's giving that, that authority language behind this, okay, by speaking that he is the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This discussion, this story, Jesus once again giving reference to the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 21, we read about the Israelites mumbling and grumbling, complaining. Have you just brought us out of Egypt to here to starve again? They're doing what they always do. And I've heard people preach on the bronze serpent. You look to the serpent, you'll be saved. Just like when Mo, amen to that. But we fail to remember, and I'd said this to my wife as well, you know how we've kind of been speaking on the sovereignty thing of God lately? It's kind of been the theme. Spoke about Job, we speak about God bringing afflictions as well. How many of you realize who it was that sent the fiery snakes to bit the Israelites to kill all the Israel or a lot of the Israelites? It was the Lord. He sent it as a form of judgment because they wouldn't stop grumbling. So I could stand up here and preach this message to you and just say, yep, Jesus is the, or the bronze snake is the foreshadowing of Christ, which it was. These people are getting attacked and bitten by the, the fiery snakes. Wait a minute. God's the one that sent them. Why did he send them? Because they were doing what they do. They were complaining. But when these people looked, when the Israelites looked upon the bronze snake, guess what? They lived. They didn't die. It's a foreshadow to us as Christians. When we look upon Jesus, guess what? We live forever. We don't die. That something bigger than us, someone bigger than us, outside of us, is the only way in which we will ever be saved. Saved from our wretched selves. And that's Jesus Christ. And there's no deed that needs to be performed. This is upon hearing of the word, upon hearing of the completed work of Jesus on the cross, that a heart is then transformed. That the Holy Spirit in his supernatural power infuses himself in you, transforms you. The same spirit and the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit and power that will transform you. So in closing here, when we look at this, well, what are some signs of rebirth? Once again, I just want to recap this. You guys, displaying of the fruits. Okay, Galatians 5, if we go through that and read it, this is not a check mark for you guys to go through. Okay, we're going to do my Christian test. Now, yes, we are called to examine ourselves. It's not always a fun thing to do. When you spend that time with the Lord and go, okay, Lord, show me my heart. Show me where I'm falling short. Show me what needs to be cleansed or cleaved from my life to give you more of me, to give you more of my obedience, to show faithfulness to you. 
It's not always an easy procedure. Holy Spirit is a refining spirit. He will mold, make, and sometimes even break you into what He needs you to be for the glory of God. So are you displaying those fruits? And once again, that is just evidence that you are abiding in the true vine that is Jesus Christ. Love for others, especially Christians. That's huge. This is evidence of the new birth. Do you love your fellow brother and sister in Christ? Or do you find yourself backbiting and gossiping and complaining about them? I would like to believe I'm pretty blessed to have a ministry where you guys are pretty loving to one another. I don't really ever get any bad reports. But I will say that I have pastor brothers that deal a lot with that. And I would dare not say that those people that do it aren't Christians. I'm not going to say that. My wife and I, we can get caught up in saying stuff. Not about you guys. But we can sit there and say some stuff where we have to catch ourselves and go, that's, that's not edifying. That's not building anybody up. That's, that's probably knocking some stuff down. We've been on the receiving end, right? People that maybe are into the destruction business more than the construction business. And we spoke about the tongue a few weeks ago. Our tongues can do some damage, right? They can slip. They hurt people. All of that. Examine yourself. Do I show love for a fellow brother and sister? Maybe they don't believe the way that you believe when it comes to certain minor points of being a Christian. Do they bear fruit? Are they loving to you? Do they exemplify it in everyday life, not just at work, not just when they come to church? How are they at home? Do they make godly choices? Another thing. Do things that you used to desire just not seem that desirable when you were in the flesh of things, when you were of the world and not just simply in it? That's a huge thing. Huge. People might sleep on that a lot. Is it really that big of a deal? It is. Because the Word also says that when you are in the ways of the flesh, that over time they actually grow stronger and stronger as you get older. They just do. And many of us can sit in here and say amen or ouch to that because it's like, man, one day maybe I won't go to church or one day I'll go and listen to this. And then before you know it, guess what you're doing? You're back in the habit of things, aren't you? That's your flesh. The Word speaks about it. When you're operating in that, it just grows over time. So are you making godly choices? Do you have a reverence for God, a fear for God, which is the beginning of wisdom as well? You have to fear the Lord, this reverence for Him. And once again, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You guys have all been given a gift. We've all been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gifts His church and His bride. For what? Main purpose? Edify one another. Build each other up. Make each other stronger. Encourage one another to go out there and do the work of an evangelist. To be ministers to a fallen world. How many of you watched the news within the last two weeks or read a news story? This world is broken. That is our biggest in with the world that wants to sit there and say, no, it isn't. It's beautiful. It's glorious. No, it's not. It's fallen. It's broken. It's evil. There is only one body on this earth that represents Christ. And guess who it is? It's us. We need each other. 
We need to encourage each other with these gifts. Don't know what your gift is? Pray to the Lord. Ask for that gift. Ask for him to reveal it. We need that gifting utilized amongst this small body, not just the universal one. You guys have an opportunity to, to even serve here to help my wife and I. We've been blessed with people that take care of the finances and all that stuff. Blessed with Linda, she come in and give us stuff and all that. You guys are blessings as well with your encouragement. My wife and I have been blessed with people that come over and work on our house for us and do stuff. Let us use dump trucks when I don't even know how to drive one half the time. Blessed with someone that's willing to offer up free space to have men go out and just be out in the wilderness and be men. It's edifying, it's good, builds you up. So I ask you guys, pray to the Lord, ask for those, those gifts. Lord, what is it that, that you want to gift me with? Because the Holy Spirit gives according to his will. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just give you thanks once again for your word. I give you thanks for new birth, Lord. And, and I pray over this body, and I even pray over the individuals that are listening right now, that if they merely just make, made a verbal profession, Lord, of, of their faith in you, but have not shown that they've actually been born again based on what your word says, based on examining themselves. Lord, I ask that first and foremost, that the individuals here or the individuals listening repent. Lord, that they come to you in, in sincere repentance, asking for forgiveness because you have revealed to them their heart their pride, their, their, their naiveness, their misunderstanding, as, as many of us once were, that when they come to you in that submission and that humility, that they are completely moving everything else out of the way for your Holy Spirit to do what your Holy Spirit does, and that is bring new life. Bring new life to our spirits, Lord, just as, as you brought life to Jesus Christ. It's this amazing thought if we stop and we just bask on that, Lord. So I, I pray that individuals repent of that. And Lord, if individuals are in here right now and they've gone through that, they, they understand the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, they, they believe and they put their faith in that, maybe they've gotten into the habit of some other ways, Lord, of the flesh. Maybe they're not bearing the fruit that they're called to bear right now, Lord. Maybe they're not making choices and decisions that, that give you glory. Lord, I, I, I pray for them as well. I pray that they repent, that they ask for forgiveness for that, Lord. Because your word says, regardless of whatever it is that they think, that you are faithful in forgiving those who ask for forgiveness. And guess what else? You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's that word again. You are continuously cleansing and saving us, Lord. Refining us, making us more and more like you day in and day out. So Lord, I, I pray over these individuals here today. I pray that they just bide in you, Lord, that they just live lives where more and more fruit are being bared, that they live lives to where their witness is being shown to a fallen world around them, and that they seek the gifts that you have in store for them for the edification of this body and the universal body as well, so we can go out and work that harvest field. Because as it says, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we need all the encouragement that we can get from one another. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, that we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Once again, happy Father's Day to the dads.